who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Hi, I'm Madigan from Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, a podcast that explores the world through a personal, intersectional feminist perspective. Each Monday, I bring you a brand new full-length episode covering something from a wide variety of topics. And then every Friday, come meet up with me again for a mini What's in the News episode so you can stay up to date on everything that's going on in the world. Check out Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist wherever you get your podcasts. And Ray John. So whenever I see her on an awards red carpet, I'm always like, she, I know she's not a lesbian because she's married right. to the guy, but I'm always like, yeah, she dresses like a lesbian because it's just too much. Yeah. It's like, For a, sure. she, she's hats. a magician. She's yeah. a goth magician. <laughs> it's the top hats. I'm diking out, you're diking out. Let's dike out together. See what it's all Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, a demisexual podcast, as in we are sexually attracted to Demi Lovato and Demi Moore. Why not? I'm Carolyn Bergier. I'm Melody Kamali, and today we're diking out with TV writer and performer Joanna Bradley about the lesbian aesthetic. But for some quick announcements, our Patreon is truly the life force of this podcast. It's where we mm-hmm. get the support we need to make the podcast actually happen. We literally would not be able to do it without our patrons. So thank you to each and every one of you who are a part of our Patreon community. And if you want to learn more, you can go to patreon.com slash out. We're going to be doing our March Zoom hangout soon. So you can still mm-hmm. sign up at that tier and join in on the fun. Yes, let's get that on the calendar, Mel. Yeah, let's do that. We did a poll on the Patreon. No votes for morning. This much we know is true. It's not going to be happening in the morning, but... Yeah, we're some sleepy sapphics over here. Uh, You can also support the pod by using the link in our show notes to get the stereo app for free, where we are broadcasting live at least three times a week outside of the pod. Uh, Listeners are having so much fun interacting with us during the shows. That's right. You get to ask questions, talk back, or like today, bark at us. Um, It's also your chance to hear from Cecilia, who likes to drop in occasionally with some commentary. And I know you all want to hear 
More from Cecilia. Now is your chance. She's absolutely adorable on it, which not a surprise. Speaking of Cecilia, a reminder that we do have merch on Etsy. Etsy.com slash shop slash diking out, I think. All right. <laughs> Going to get this out of the way. I know it's a long shot, but if anybody has an extra kidney that they want to donate... Just want to put it out here. You know, I have an audience want to use it for good. It's not for me. My uncle has uh, a failing kidney. Uh, He has been very sick and uh, he only has one kidney that was transplanted. It's, It's failing. He needs another. And he's been just really, really ill at this point. And a kidney from a live donor who matches. So you have to be um, O or O positive, I believe, to be considered and is having trouble finding a match. And he has uh, a son who is trans and would donate, but because of the uh, the hormones and whatnot, uh, they yeah. won't even consider him for a transplant. So it's, and he's been such a supportive and great dad in that regards. His son was a best man at his wedding when he married my aunt. He's just a, a good guy and I feel bad and uh, I, I wish I could give him my kidney but I can't. So I don't know if anybody's ever wanted to do that and you're within driving distance of the Cleveland Clinic, hit me up. Let me know. I know it's a long shot, but worth a shot. Anyway, (laughs) one year in COVID times, a fish. It's crazy because like all of a sudden it seems like the the end is nigh. There is a light at the end of the pan tunnel. And a, a lot of people are getting anxiety because of that, too, of having to like transition back to like a normal way of living because, you know, change, even good change can be hard and stressful. We've all been working like really hard this past year to adjust to the circumstances and find a way to be like, okay with this way of living. Yeah, I'm anxious adjusting to the new normal that is fading away. So I'm getting anxious reentering society. I'm anxious about doing stand up again. So rusty, even though we're all supposed to be, it feels like the playing field was leveled a little bit and we're all kind of reemerging. Yeah, there have been people who have been doing comedy through the pandemic. I'm not too worried that I haven't been doing it mostly just because uh, for me, like live comedy without an audience that's like there and ready to laugh. It's like it's already hard enough. And then you put like the obstacles of like the the outdoor shows the audience that's all like spread out and and then the masks uh covering their mouths so you can't hear any laughter i'm like well if i can't hear laughter i might as well be doing a zoom show which i did a zoom show uh or like a twitch show last night with uh sarah kennedy pascus of the podcast she has this really fun uh if anybody is a fan of sarah's even if you're not and you want to be you should be she does this talk show uh every week uh, i think it's called like sarah kennedy and friends she has guests she has segments there are games it was a really silly game she had us play uh, i Got to do stand-up. We did a little interview. It was a little bit of everything. And I was really emotional, I think, because it's been a year. Also, oh, she moved yeah. to Albuquerque. But I, when we were talking before the show, 
I was like, I'm really sorry, Sarah, but I'm feeling like super emotional and uh, I could cry right now if I like let myself because I'm, I miss you and I miss people and I miss like running into people at shows and catching up. And I also did a past guest show this last week. I had two shows and that's it for March, but they happened to be in this <laughs> last week. Um, I did Gina Bloom's Twitch show and check it out. Nice. It's on Comedy Hub on Twitch on Sundays. It's called the Antidepressant Comedy Hour and uh, she's got a really good thing going. There are almost like 200 people tuned in. Um, it was so good to do comedy to verified humans but it was on twitch so you had a lot of like <laughs> you know twitch types on there there was the comment section was outrageous there are people enjoying the jokes and like reacting with like laugh emojis and oh that was so funny and then there was just this whole conversation amongst the twitch users that are like is this really a comedy show is this really live no, if if it's if it were live, we'd be able to like send in requests, like it's improv or something. Like <laughs> they're like, this is pre-recorded. Yeah. Like it was all conspiracy theories. <laughs> so oh my ridiculous. god, ridiculous! But very good to do the show. New beginnings. Yeah, spring is around the corner. What a beautiful time to just bloom. Speaking of blooming, Demi Lovato. Just came out and talked about how part of uh, ending her engagement made her realize just the extent of how queer she is, but that she's not ready to label herself as anything, right? What I don't want to butcher this. <laughs> I've just seen clips of the People article, and that was, of course, via our beloved Bette Porter Gallery, keeping us up to date on celesbian gossip. It was the first thing I saw when I woke up this morning. Right, right, right. So, you know, Demi said, this past year I was engaged to a man, and when it didn't work, I was like, this is a huge sign. I thought I was going to spend my life with someone. Now that I wasn't going to, I felt the sense of relief that I could live my truth. And what is that truth? That she's queer. Um, Which we already knew. We knew that. But we didn't have the information with this specific haircut and dye job. So that makes it feel more real. She says, I hooked up with a girl. And I was like, I like this a lot more. It felt better. It felt right. Some of the guys I was hanging out with, when it would come time to be sexual or intimate, I would have this kind of visceral reaction. Like, I just don't want to put my mouth there. <laughs> I didn't know that. I'm just reading that now. I just didn't want to put my mouth there. That's the gayest thing of the week <laughs> for all of us. She also says, I know who I am and what I am, but I'm just waiting until a specific timeline to come out to the world as what I am. I'm following my healer's timeline and I'm using this time to really study and educate myself on my journey and what I'm preparing to do. Now, she's only 28. So, yeah, it, I mean, it doesn't matter what age you are. This is all a journey. And that's just really cool that it seems like she's really putting herself uh, forward. It could be really hard. Like calling off an engagement is such a hard thing. Um, not so hard when you're dating a psychopath or engaged to a sociopath. So I don't know anything about this guy. Fill me in. Okay. I already believe it. Max Erich was 
Hot on her heels. This guy is a social climbing, manipulative sociopath. He, I remember seeing a Twitter thread in September around when I think it, it was called off and it was a long thread. Um, the first tweet is exposing Demi Lovato's manipulative fiance, Max Erich, who is an obsessive fame leech, a thread. Um, I didn't even know that it was called off. I remember she got engaged and I was like, oh, good. I hope she's happy because I know she's had a really hard time. Uh, and then, but continue. So it's blatant. And the thread really does a great job of laying it all out. Um, but maybe we post it in our show notes. Yeah, definitely. We, we have to get this information out there. <laughs> he yeah. has been essentially stalking her and not just her, but a lot of other female pop stars that he's had crushes on specifically Selena Gomez. So that's not, you know, the one Demi wants to be comparing herself to, especially, but like he would, okay, create um, fan accounts. And then if there were actual non-bot fan accounts following him, he wouldn't um, direct them to Selena Gomez's page, Demi Lovato's, some other like young actresses, starlets um, with the same kind of vibe being like, Flood the comments and tell her to date me. Tell her that you want her to be with me. And then um, you see all these screenshots in the thread. He, um, even up to the week that he got together with Demi, he was posting these obsessive tweets, Instagram posts, comments about how much he loves Selena Gomez. He even, there's a video of him flashing this S tattoo he has, claiming it was for, and saying like, see, this is how much I love you. And now he claims that the S is for something else. I forget the word, but like solid something. Sociopath? Yeah, sociopath. There's lots of screenshots of him infiltrating uh, Selena Gomez and Demi Lovato fan groups and uh, telling them, I'll follow you back if you tell her to date me. It's really psychotic behavior. Dude, just go through a mutual. Right. Yeah, and it's also his management. There's like proof of his management pushing a lot of little teeny bopper fan groups to get attention towards him. You know that that's that's a thing, though, that people like use their managers to try to get like hooked up with other celebrities. It is. I don't. I mean, that yeah, that doesn't surprise me at this point. Actually, now that I say that, Melody, it really is only going off one example I know of one specific person I know who will remain unnamed. Maybe they've been on the podcast. They have used their they used their manager and asked their manager, hey, is Demi Lovato? It was Demi Lovato that they were trying to ask out. And they're like, can you try to like what? set something up with Demi Lovato? Like maybe, you know, it'd be good for her to be like in a public queer relationship or something. Is that something she wants? What is this path to Demi? Are the Demi Lovato fans, like the Swift fans, are our ratings going to suffer for us even bringing this up? No, because we're no, team Demi. We're team Demi, yeah. Not that I'm not team Swifty, okay? Oh, go, yeah, no, go we Taylor, love. Support her and all her ambitions. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I mean, God. I mean. What a positive role model. Marcana, love her. Um, I wish we could talk about her more, but let's let's 
do our due diligence and warn everybody against Max. So, so Max actually is around Demi's age. Yes. Okay. And he's an actor. At the same time, he's also trying to cultivate a music career. So it's like right when the Demi relationship hit, finally, it's like, then we got a single out of him. You know, earlier you were like, didn't Demi already come out? And she did. But you know what wasn't the case? She didn't have a documentary coming out in two weeks. So it's like, I trust no one. She has a documentary coming out in two yeah, weeks? Yeah, so of course So is that the, the timeline she's talking about? Yeah, that's what the joke I was going to crack, but I was like, don't uh, do it, Melody. Don't do it. Just just try to have one nice thing here. But no, when, I was, when you said the timeline, I was going to be like, here's the timeline. Her documentary is coming out in two weeks and we're generating buzz. From wow, the queer community wow, to tune wow, wow. in. It's all yeah. it's all nonsense. I mean, I'm happy for her and her haircut, yeah, yeah, yeah. but like Oh, yes, that's this haircut. is obviously why this news is coming out. You know who I was Googling last night because what last night was Thursday. Thursday nights are when I Google Kate Blanchett. And I somehow missed the interviews that came out around the time she did Carol, where she talks about how She's had uh, that she's like slept with many women. <laughs> what? I missed right? that entirely. <laughs> this is one of those things. I'm like, didn't I know that? Like, I kind of thought I knew. I remember like looking at her husband and being like, oh, yeah, there's no way that that's the only person she's sleeping with. So she was asked when she was doing Carol if this was her first turn as a lesbian. And Blanchett replied, on film or in real life? Hell yeah. And then they asked her if she had had past relationships with women, and she said, yes, many times. <laughs> I love a casual come out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, that reminds me of a question I've been meaning to ask you, Melody. What's the gayest thing you did this week? Mm, I did mention that I had two shows, and I am feeling rusty. I'm... Nervous to do Zoom shows. I don't know. Like, weirdly more nervous than in-person shows because they're weird. Um, so to psych myself out, I've been doing push-ups <laughs> before I log on. And something about that feels like super Very Demi more. Yeah. Who was one of my biggest crushes growing up, by the way? Right? That's where I join you. That was like my one older woman crush. Yeah. Just jumping to the floor and doing it's not it's the way I'm doing the push-ups. It's not like uh okay, I'm working out and doing three sets of twelve and like no, it's like a quick panicked like jump down to the ground and quickly get it out of the way. And like the quickness of it feels really gay. I've never watched you work out, Melody, but I feel like you have this Monica Geller level of intenseness when you do. Yeah, because we both used to be morbidly obese and um, oh I didn't even make that connection but for some reason I'm like this just feels like how Monica would work out yeah I am like, very intense right, we're doing this Allie won't work out with me anymore um it's yeah. traumatized her actually um and yeah. it makes her very uneasy to be around me when I'm doing it because <laughs> I'm I am really intense like I take pre-workout mix and my whole body's tingling and it's super aggressive. I will say that you're right on the money there. You want to know why I'm so intense? I just realized when I was losing that, look, that major weight loss period, um, yeah. I was doing exclusively 
Jillian Michaels workouts and well, yeah, that's, that's a Monica that yeah, that's an intense dyke right Oof. there. Um, Very and intense. controversial and you know, yeah. fat phobic. I know now, um, right? But like, not someone I'd want to invite to my grill out but it's like imprinted i can only do workouts from like very aggressive intimidating women when i used to go to studios at class pass there were like certain ladies i would go for the the most terrifying types are can only get me to work out (laughs) we'll never have jillian on the pod we know she's problematic yes Yes. (laughs) well carolyn what's the gayest thing you did this week well, Cecilia and I both bought Crocs. Why? Why'd you do I've that? Never, I've never owned Crocs before. Uh, I don't know if Cecilia has. She's been wanting them for a while, and I've always resisted, but I know everybody says they're so comfortable. But two things. I have a standing desk now, and I stand for as long a period of time as I can. And I have this like little balance board that I stand on, but sometimes I need even more than that. So I'm like, you know, if I get Crocs, maybe that will help me stand up more and then nobody has to see them. Uh, but also I hear they're good for like gardening and yard work. Cause they're like foam or whatever. So you could just like rinse them off if they get dirty. I thought that's what they were for. I mean, I know like nurses wear them too. Oh, yeah. 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 There are a lot of different, Reasons why you'd want to wear Crocs, uh, they're not leaving my property, for sure. Cecilia got, like, warm, insulated Crocs, which I think is a little bit weird. Uh, oh, yeah. But then she was like, no, no, these will be my winter Crocs. I'm like, that so implies those are that you're buying more Crocs. Yeah. Well, they they look like Crocs, but then they have, They have holes like, and they're insulated? They have holes, but there's like, but then the top of it, it's like fuzzy inside. And then the little back strap is made of like that, like puffy jacket kind of material. <laughs> sure. They actually like look pretty cool. I don't know. For Crocs. I, I mean, does anybody think that Crocs actually look good or is it universally? Accepted? No, I've like, been seeing look- them in Brooklyn. Like, yeah. Like ironic Crocs. Oh. Yeah, it's happening. Does this not get us into our <laughs> topic this week? Because today we are diking out with Joanna Bradley, who is a comedian, writer, and a performer working in both New York City and L.A., The Dream. You can catch her hilarious performances in many videos produced by Above Average. You can see those on YouTube. And she has written for shows that you may have heard of, like Saturday Night Live, The Break with Michelle Wolf. A Little Late with Lily Singh and the Eliza Schlesinger sketch show. Let's do it. Joanna, thank you so much for being here today and diking out with us. Thank you guys so much for having me. I love this podcast. How have you been? How's the pandemic been treating you one year in? Oh, it's perfect. It's perfect. Yes. I'm uh, doing better than ever. Um, really love, I, I love everything that's all the, everything that's deteriorated about my personality in the past year. Yeah. It's great. Do you even know who you are anymore? Um, I know my social security number still. That's pretty, I think that's the extent of (laughs) the similarity. How long have you been LA based or bi-coastal? 
Yeah, let's see. Uh, not long before, maybe eight or nine months before the pandemic. Yeah, moved out here. So like summer of 2019. First you thought like, oh, I guess this is a good place to be for the pandemic. And then the shoe went on the other foot. And- That's right. Oh, yeah. yeah. In April, we were like, wow. I mean, I guess we're glad we're not in our really huge apartment building um, <laughs> with like 200 apartments. And yeah, by the summer, um, seeing everybody like hang out in New York and just like love up on each other for that little respite between yeah. uh, mm-hmm. between COVID blooms. Right. Um, <laughs> I we both were like I cried a lot in the summer. I cried a yeah. lot. I didn't process anything until August. I got very sad. And couldn't like during that little respite, that's when it hit me. So I couldn't even muster (laughs) anything to like go to a park hang or anything because I'd finally realized what just happened. (laughs) Yes, somebody said to me the other day, and this is really dark. So if you guys feel the need to cut this out, I totally understand. But it, but somebody said to me the other day, um, she's like, I was texting with my friend, and my friend was like, I'm anxious and I don't know why. And I texted her back and said, 500K dead, question mark? That'll do it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, like, the free-floating anxiety that's been with me since I was, I don't know, five, um, is now been replaced by, like, a quite identifiable source. Joanna, you know, other other than commenting on the death toll uh, from (laughs) COVID-19, what's the gayest thing you did this week? Uh, yeah, I know. Is that the gayest thing? That's a gay uh, response. Just a yes. dose, a hard dose of reality. It's a real lesbian response to be like, well, if we're going to be responsible, let's acknowledge the people who've been most affected. <laughs> uh, well, I, when you said that before, I was like, oh, fuck, what is the gayest? I mean, I feel truly just like walking to my car is the gayest thing. Anyone around here, just the way that I walk. Is that a Honda um, Fit? Nar. Okay. It's a Toyota Corolla. Okay. Wait, but a gay walk is a gay walk is a thing, and it's scientifically proven. I just found that out today. Say more about that. Okay, so <laughs> according to Science Daily, they studied a case study of eight gay men, eight lesbians. Half of each were uh, straight, actually. So never mind. <laughs> men, eight men, eight women, half were gay. Got <laughs> so it. we have four of each. Control groups. and they studied the way they walk. They had them walk on treadmills for two minutes as a three-dimensional motion capture system similar to those used by the movie industry to create animated figures from living models, made measurements from their movements. And based on these measurements, scientists and researchers determined that the gay subjects uh, tended to have more gender incongruent body types than their straight counterparts. So hourglass figures for men tubular bodies for women and (laughs) body motions like hip swaying for men and shoulder swaggering for women than their straight counterparts. So that swagger is scientifically proven. Thank God. Um, I also just want to point out, so I'm picturing like a bunch of (laughs) lesbians and gay men on treadmills and they had to wear those like ball suits like the motion capture, they had to wear those leotards with little balls on them. Yeah. And then a bunch of For scientists sure. were taking notes and being like, 
Yeah, that one walks incongruously with its gender. <laughs> this fucking freak. Like, could you feel like any more? You already feel like a science experiment, but like, could right. you feel like any more of one? This they Lady Gaga music on. video setup. That's right. <laughs> Fuck. That's demoralizing, but also encouraging. It makes me yeah. feel like um, it's not my fault. I feel like I was walking around like a dyke today just because my body's sore from uh, drilling so much. I'm like, why do my legs hurt from using a drill a lot yesterday? <laughs> you're, I think you're using the drill wrong. What, did, I you, think I am. did you strap that drill on? I don't understand I, why your legs are so sore. My wife's bleeding out in the other room. Uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, all right. So walking to your Toyota Corolla. No, I feel like that's not a good – that's – I, I – Okay, here's I'm going to give you a real one. All right. A real one is polishing my vintage bar cart. All right. Yeah. That's probably the gayest thing. I that's it. Week. The whole thing needs to be polished. <laughs> yeah, if you respect it. Yeah. I didn't know if it was like mixed materials. <laughs> no, it's like, well, yeah, it's like glass and chrome. Yeah. You know, it's Italian. Anyway, it's a whole project, but it's, it's really relaxing. At, at the end, you have a really shiny bar cart. So yeah. it's a win-win. Polishing's probably got to be a good way to channel anxiety right now, actually. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then, you know, as you're putting the bottles of alcohol back on, you're choosing what poison you're going to dump into your body to, <laughs> <laughs> to, to alleviate that anxiety even more. Love it. So for our listeners who may not be familiar with you, can you tell everyone a little bit more about yourself, about your background? I know you from UCB when uh, I started taking classes there and going to shows. Definitely enjoyed your comedy, consuming that. What? Yeah, what years were, did you take classes there? I'm trying to orient myself. I started taking classes in 2012. Getcha. Getcha. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I mean, uh, first of all, UCB RIP. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I did all that. That is sort of the extent of my um, comedy or and or acting training was UCB. So I uh, wasn't going to do it. I didn't do that stuff like in college or anything because um, I don't know. It just wasn't really a- around. And then kind of came back to New York where I'm from. I'm from New York and and then was going to like go to law school and was like working at a law firm and taking the LSAT and shit. And then, um, my older sister, uh, was a big fan of UCB and she was like, I feel like you should go be on a team there. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I should. Yeah. I'll go go down there and I'll say, I'll tell them that I should be on one of their little teams. (laughs) One Harold, please. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, in, uh, yeah, so then I got sucked into the yeah the never ending eddy of thousand uh, dollar classes and right um, made history um, just made history <laughs> there constantly on that stage really blew people away <laughs> but it was fun while it lasted it was helpful in many ways and I credit it with like throwing me into the deep end of the pool as somebody who was like avoiding performance for a long time and then found myself just like, oh, fuck, you have to do this. If you want to get good at anything, you have to like go fail a million times and be so embarrassed. And I was a, I was a person who like was sidestepping embarrassment and humiliation up till then. So same. Yes. Same. same. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's very real. I wasn't an, imp- I did stand up. <laughs> did. <laughs> same thing. Cause same. everything's, 
past tense. Um, but I, yeah, was really afraid of embarrassment, just like took myself too seriously. And then I took annoyance improv classes just so I could like get good at stand. It's terrifying. Everything was so embarrassing, but it was like something I dreaded, but made myself do the improv, but it really does help like get yourself out of your head and acting silly. Yeah. Cause like stand up is scary as fuck, but it's not as embarrassing. Like imp- there's right. nothing more yeah. embarrassing than improv. Yeah, truly. <laughs> truly. Yeah. Agree. Im- improv was the first one that I did and was like the least scary for me to do. And then I did sketch, which felt scary because I was like, Oh, people are going to criticize my writing and that's what I care about. And then stand up was just felt like me walking into a room naked. And that took me like over a year from when I started doing comedy to work up the nerve to do that. And then I was like, oh, this is for me because I don't have to deal with other people as much. Uh, yeah, there is that benefit. Too. <laughs> I, I, I always a little bit was envious of that aspect of stand up where you could just like get up there and uh, yeah, not. <laughs> not There's have no to email through. chain. There's, There's no email no, chain where There's somebody's no, asking you questions that was already answered in the gonna, chain come out too yeah there's no fucking (laughs) yeah exactly Uh, i miss it uh (laughs) yeah one of the things that i love that you did at ucb i saw got to see it twice there was on your sketch team bellevue you put on um a new episode of seinfeld that you all Mm -hmm. wrote and the episode was called The Leaning Susan, and you played uh, the character Susan, who is dead in the show, and in this version comes back as a zombie and just plays it real straight, and it was my favorite thing. It was so funny. That's so nice of you to say, and I will pass that on to uh, everybody else, um, because I, I just want to say that team. I team. The, the whole team. I will contact each of them separately, and I will pass that on. <laughs> <laughs> Start an email chain. Um, yes, and really, I'll be like... <laughs> <laughs> Guys, what song are we going to come out to? Um, <laughs> That's on YouTube for anybody who wants to watch it. It is right? on YouTube. I think it has like a lot of views. It got it kind of blew up back then. Um, yeah, yeah. So such a funny. I don't. Even, I can't even remember why we decided to do that. But then we just found ourselves. Yeah, it, it's a really arrogant endeavor to be like, <laughs> why don't we just write a new episode of like the greatest uh, TV show? Or, yeah, but it was it was really fun. Well, we have you here today to reprise your role of Susan. No, to uh, talk about <laughs> <laughs> the lesbian aesthetic. Yes, yes. The what lesbian is it? aesthetic. What, the, what, what is that to you? What, what, what is, is it? That? God. Um, yeah, is that a serious question or or is that a rhetorical question? Because <laughs> I want I you can... to answer it right now. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> it's going to be uh, out there forever. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to. Um, you know, corral anybody into too narrow of a definition. But I do feel like, uh, as varied as it can be, it has probably some commonalities between it. Certainly, like you know, various expressions of either like utilitarianism or masculinity, even if it's sort of like ironic masculinity, kind of reflected through a prism of like whatever, whatever your gender uh, expression is. I think there, I, in my mind, there's ironic lesbian aesthetic and earnest lesbian aesthetic. That's how I divide it in my brain. Okay. Yeah. Get into that more. I like that. Um, Well, as somebody who uh, I don't super engage in the ironic part (laughs) of the lesbian aesthetic, although I I appreciate it, um, I, in my head, um, think like 
So for instance, it was my girlfriend's birthday, like, um, in January. And, um, I got her, I got her lots of real gifts, but one of the things that I also got her was this really fucking cool vintage Indigo Girls concert tee. And it's like from their first tour. Um, it's so cool. I wish I had it with me, but, um, that to me, I was like, okay, I'm going to give this to her. And if I were to wear this, it would be earnest lesbian aesthetic, (laughs) but for her to wear it because she's kind of like. She loves a vintage tee. She's got like a ton of them. Every t-shirt looks good in her, but she's like kind of, she's like pretty femme. It yeah. It verges on ironic lesbian aesthetic, if right. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've made a shift to lesbian ironic aesthetic uh, since like hosting this podcast. And we started a monthly show before the pandemic at Stonewall that we were doing and like just for kicks um in the photo shoot i did to promo it my wife had this like leather vest which i would <laughs> never have worn in my life before but i'm like i'm going to bring it to this photo shoot and that was the one and then everybody was commenting on the the vest in the promo so i wear it on stage to every show and it's the only time i'll wear like a leather vest and then under it I'll wear a shirt, like I'll special order shirts. Like I have a tank top from like Melissa Etheridge's cruise line. Yeah, and like, wait, I, that's awesome. Like that's not a shirt that I would normally buy for myself, but I'm like, this is so gay. I have to have it. And it feels like I'm wearing it in an ironic way. But then, but then I like grow to like it. So now I'm like, maybe I should wear leather vests more. You know, maybe I should be wearing like Ani DeFranco tour shirts that I find on eBay, you know? Yeah, maybe I should just do a full Ani DeFranco, shave my head and wear those like silver Bali (laughs) earrings. Yes. um, And like a long skirt. Um, (laughs) Wait, I want to know, first of all, what's the name of Melissa Etheridge's uh, cruise uh, line? It's the Melissa Etheridge cruise. (laughs) Okie doke. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and I yeah. learned about it in the gayest way. I was seeing Jill Sobule play at City Vineyard, and she was like, Caroline, you'll never guess what I'm doing next week. I'm playing the Melissa Etheridge cruise. Uh, those lesbians are great. It's actually a really fun time. Wait, I'm sorry. Are you on a first-name basis with Jill Sobule? I am. It's only because of the podcast. Um, well, I'm disappointed that Melissa Ether just put zero creativity into naming her fucking cruise line. <laughs> I'm bummed that she didn't call it like uh, Come to my lo- porthole. Oh, fuck. <laughs> That's, did you just come up with it? Was that off the cuff? It That's, was off the cuff. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's fucking perfect. Come through yeah. my porthole. Yeah. I mean, I was going to make some joke about um, like those glass dildos that she used to sell. Um <laughs> But, oh, uh, I missed that. Yeah, she used <laughs> to. She used to like sell or promote these glass dildos. <laughs> used to probably being the operative phrasing here because I don't know how long. How long does that endeavor continue before everyone is like, "That's a horrible idea"? <laughs> right? Yeah, don't it's a hazard. Fuck me with that. That is a crazy hazard. <laughs> don't, dude, there's so many other materials in the world. Why would you fuck me with glass? <laughs> Yes, but that's a perfect example. Well, that is the what you just described, the evolution of your relationship with your leather um, vest is like yeah. that's the evolution of like so many ironic things that we partake of, whether it's like language or food or wardrobe. But it's strange when it's like a lesbian costume because there's something sort of like 
When you engage in it as irony, you're sort of making fun of your lesbianness. Yeah. But then when it crosses over to, I really fucking like this leather vest and Melissa Etheridge shirt, then it's almost like affirming in a funny way. Right, or right, right. Now you're owning it. Because I've, I have, for instance, with the Indigo Girls or with Ani DeFranco for that matter, I have such a, um, such a, a like a, a long relationship with like being really into them and then being totally embarrassed and having to hide that fact to then the point of like not even listening to either of those musical groups to then coming back around now like in my 30s where I'm like I don't give a fuck it's who I am it's Mm -hmm. like my culture there's this comedian uh, Mindy Raff who she used to do like a lot of characters and a lot of musical comedy Mm -hmm. and she had this character that she did that was kind of like this vegan hardcore feminist uh, lesbian singer and would perform these songs on stage that were just like hyper feminist and parody. But it was before she came out and she Mm -hmm. realized like looking back, she's like, I created my own like dream girlfriend. Like that's (laughs) then I came out and started dating women just like that. And I did it Mm -hmm. on stage as parody Mm -hmm. and like thinking that this was like a funny thing to do. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. It's because I'm actually like really attracted to these women who play guitar and have armpit hair and Mm -hmm. like throw paint on people wearing fur. (laughs) (laughs) That is such an old school version of lesbian (sighs) feminist. I love it. It's very vintage, (laughs) very 90s. That's so funny. Um, Yeah, like finding your way through, like, putting on costumes. Like a child. Yeah. That's truly what it is. Like, you're just putting on costumes and being like, is this this who I am? Or I guess in her case, is this who I want to fuck? Yeah. Which is really... I, I like that discovery. Well, I you know the episode that I listened to of of this podcast, but was that one um, with the the woman who runs um, a league of uh, her a league of her oh, own? Oh yes, Joe McDaniel. Yeah. So, uh, first of all, that was a fucking awesome episode, and I was oh, like, oh, thank you. So into that entire conversation, but especially everything she was saying about the way that she runs that space, and it just made right. me so fucking sad not to be able to go to a. I mean, it's hard enough to stumble upon a dyke bar in normal right. <laughs> life um, right. to throw a rock and hit one. Um, but it just made me so sad not to be able to go. And I was like, oh, man, as soon as as soon as everything opens up, I've never said this in my life, but I'm like, I'm going straight to Washington, D.C. <laughs> <laughs> Coolest fucking city in the world, man. Um <laughs> Same for us, though. After that episode, you know, we have, like, this patron group on on Facebook with some of our, like, more supportive listeners, and everyone was like, okay, Road as trip? soon as we're, like, all vaccinated, do we all, like, meet up in D.C.? I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> get a bus and get on the bus right. and then, yeah, and go to D.C. and make it, like, very, very fun and cool there for one night and then immediately yeah. leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, speaking of the lesbian aesthetic, I loved her snapback lesbians. Dude. <laughs> and that's how yeah. she just knew we would know what she was talking about, and we did. That was such an inspired imagery. <laughs> I immediately, it took me back, like, it was like a visceral, punched me in the gut and swept me back to, like, <laughs> 2002 at, like, Henrietta Hudson's. yes. Where, like, there were so many girls like that. Um, and there still are. I mean, 
again, in normal times, but like one of the bartenders who works a lot of the show nights at Stonewall that we do, definitely a snapback lesbian, just like super straight hair. Straight hair. Yeah, the the snapback and like... Yeah, some don't evolve. (laughs) Yeah, right, 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 right. Some people like, find their uniform and they they right. stick to it. They're so it's such a uniform that conveys like yeah. that that's why it's so specifically lesbian because it's this really funny um cocktail of yeah. like I have I spent 40 minutes straightening my hair but then I threw in this cap to show you that I'm like kind of like puck. I'm like a little <laughs> I'm a little rascal. Um and I'm a, <laughs> Like, like Will yeah. Rascal's perfect because that is the vibe with a lot of lesbian ironic fashions to me. Scrappy. It's just like it's like yeah. a Peter Pan ism. Yeah. Like when I think sometimes of did you guys ever I don't know if you guys were in New York when um so like Meow Mix closed Meow Mix closed before I was twenty one, um, but I went there obviously when I was like a teenager. Um that's me was that's the coolest lesbian aesthetic uh very fucking like like 90s indie girl like leisha haley in all over me vibes okay you know like a girl with like chopped off hair that she's dyed pink like badly yeah and (laughs) it's like everything's like a driving like slater kinney song in the background while like you have to fuck someone in like a stairwell and you know what I mean? Yes. Um, yes. Very fucking cool. And everyone plays the bass. And it's just, so Meow Mix <laughs> was cool as hell. And then it closed. And then I think the owner of Meow Mix, I, I don't think I'm fucking this up. She opened um, Caddyshack in okay. Park Slope. I've heard of Caddyshack, but I wasn't there for that. Yeah. Caddyshack was cool. It kind of dovetailed with like the... Um, like when white Manhattanites decided that they were going to frequent Brooklyn, um, which I'll admit I was a part of that um, in like 2004, 2005. Uh, And it was like a multi-level hangout where there was a lot of girls wearing like cut off, like, like a vintage shirt with like cut off arms and like holding a PBR. Yeah. And like a lot of like long necklaces you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, the long necklaces. The PBRs long... were part of the outfits back then. They were 100% part of the outfit. I have yeah. so many long necklaces, and I just got this memory of, like, me in college with my long necklace making out the girl, but, like, the necklace was, like, getting tangled and everything, and then it, like, was literally falling apart, and I was, like, trying to hook it back together because it was, like, <laughs> two loops of necklace while we were making out. Just such a hazard. Didn't want to mess the look. Yeah, you can't, you can't, you can't go out without the necklace, but it is, yeah, it's a choking hazard. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. (laughs) Lassoing someone, strangling someone. Okay, who's ready for a true story? When I entered my MFA program this fall, I knew I was going to have so little time for cooking. So I wanted a solution that would let me have tasty, healthy meals in a flash so that after class, I could still have time and energy to be gay. So I signed up for Factor, which ships you ready-to-eat meals that are chef-created and dietitian-approved. 
They're fresh, never frozen, so all you have to do is stick them in the microwave for two minutes, and then they're nice and done. Um, the weekly menu has over 35 options. The salmon entrees are always my personal favorite, but they have um, a lot of things you can choose from, options for different dietary needs like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. They also have add-ons for when you don't need an entire meal. Um, I tried some good cookies and some jerky. Uh, no prep, no mess, and And when I looked into it financially, which was one of my main concerns, it was actually less expensive than uh, takeout and honestly really close to the cost of buying ingredients at the grocery store down my block in New York City. Uh, And then I saved a lot of time. So to me, it was definitely worth it. Did I mention that the meals are also really delicious? Like I've yet to try one that I didn't like. So if that sounds good to you, I think you should give it a try too. Head to factormeals.com slash dykingout50 and use code dykingout50 to get 50% off. That's code dykingout50 at factormeals.com slash dykingout50 to get 50% off. You've probably heard the name Mary, Queen of Scots, and maybe you know the importance of her legacy to the British monarchy, but how much do you know about her life and what she was really like? For instance, did you know that she preferred to have her eggs scrambled or that giving gifts was her love language? In my podcast, Vulgar History, we'll be talking about all that and more during an eight-part miniseries about the fascinating life of Mary, Queen of Scots. Vulgar History is a feminist women's history comedy podcast where we don't shy away from the messy, complicated lives of women from the olden times. Particularly with women in history, it's easier to use broad strokes to portray who they were. And it's like we forget they probably also had messy lives, complicated relationships, and maybe things weren't as black and white as they might seem in a textbook. But I'm dedicated to sharing the sides of the stories we don't always hear. And each episode is supported by rigorous historical research. Turns out there's really something about Mary Queen of Scots. So be sure to turn into my series about Mary Queen of Scots and check out the other incredible women I've talked about while you're there. You can listen and subscribe to Vulgar History wherever you get your podcasts and learn more at vulgarhistory.com. Do you think like, because there are so many lesbian aesthetics, do you think that they're just like the aesthetic of the time and then part of that just like stayed so it's like each decade we get a new lesbian aesthetic and we keep the old ones so like like the renaissance fair lesbian is really just like an 1800s lesbian <laughs> not 18 1400s what's when was the renaissance uh, uh no it's ew, but ew. yeah carried over <laughs> don't make me talk about history <laughs> um that's a good question i well i do think that um there's a lot, there's always going to be like a, because you have this feeling of wanting to um, solidify the culture, there's always an excuse to do a callback to another time. So certainly like a Renaissance lesbian is being like, yeah, I'm I'm conjuring this, I'm conjuring this archetype for everybody. And it, it brings like feelings for people. So I think that's why things like do live on. But mm-hmm. I would say definitely depending on the scene and like the city um, and the type of the type of group, like there's m- definitely many more than one per per generation, one aesthetic per generation. Because right. um, I I remember coming to LA in I want to say like yeah 2012 maybe, and I went to a wedding where there was a lot of lesbians. It was not a lesbian wedding, but they let a lot of lesbians in for some reason <laughs> to this straight wedding. 
Um, <laughs> they didn't check him at the door. Um, and they had this uniform that was unfamiliar to me. Um, and I was like, oh, this is some L.A. lesbian shit. It was like ballet flats and like skinny jeans with like a blazer with the arms pushed up. Yeah. And often oh, like yes, a yes, yes, tangle yes. hat or a fedora. Yes. Okay. <sighs> that reminds me of the fashions in uh, The Real L Word, which was yep. some L.A. shit. Yeah. That was me when I lived in Atlanta, minus the fedora. But when I lived in Atlanta, which I feel like is L.A., but but like landlocked um, and in the South. <laughs> but you have like the bad traffic, the, uh-huh. the warm weather, kind of an entertainment industry going on. And mm-hmm. um, I definitely wore, when I went out, ballet flats, skinny jeans, and blazers with the sleeves <laughs> rolled up. For sure. <laughs> For sure. That's really it's funny. Bad. Oh, it's such a funny look to me because it's like, <laughs> what are you trying to convey? You're trying uh, – I'm not sure. It's 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 a little femmy, but the blazer makes it like uh, – I don't, I don't know. Like you're trying – everyone's trying to be like a femme top. I don't know. It's very specific. That's exactly what I was trying to convey, that I'm a femme <laughs> <Yeah>. top. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just everyone's like – it's like the equivalent of like, like the gay men in the 60s wearing like a, a bandana in one pocket or the other. It's just – Coming yeah. out and being like the fedora and the blazer means like uh, yes, I'm very dominant. But the skinny jeans mean like <laughs> I, I don't know. I'll role play with you. I'm not sure. <laughs> when you were first coming out, did you notice like a change um, in the way that you presented yourself? Like, were you scared at all of like looking too gay? Show me someone who was never afraid of looking too gay and like. <laughs> I don't know if that person exists. Um, and Leah Delaria. If they yeah. do. Sorry. Leah Delaria. Leah Delaria. <laughs> yeah. Out of the womb. Out of the womb. Just like doing her like jaunty, like looking. She's like, nice up and cunt down. mom. Yeah. <laughs> Pro- Honestly, probably. Probably, right? God. Um, so intense. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Def- I was definitely afraid of that, but it also sort of. Um, it happened at the same time, uh, I was young, I was like 13, and it happened at the, like I sort of came out fully um, at the same time as I I had gone to uh, like a camp. I had been going to this camp for many years. It was a very like outdoorsy, crunchy camp, like in Vermont, like very like a lot of like gender fluidity, a lot of like really cool shit actually that made you know, kids feel not so weird. It wasn't like a camp for gay kids, but, um, right. But it, it made just, them gay. Yeah. But it did turn the kids gay. And I will tell you the name of the camp. No, um, no, uh, it was, it's a wonderful place, but it, the crunchiness, um, kind of like Venn diagrams with the, you know, the outdoorsy crunchiness kind of Venn diagrams with me coming out. And I do think it just happens to be that, uh, that's that is one very strong lesbian aesthetic is that um, sort of granola Birkenstocks vibe. So I did come back to school that September. A like tried to tr- tried to get away with not wearing a bra Mm-mm. because had like already definitely had C cups for like a full year before that. Oh wow! Um, 
So definitely tried for like the first couple weeks of school to pretend I was still at camp and like rock a like belly chain made <laughs> yes. of hemp. Oh my God. Birkenstocks. Or when it got cold, wool socks under Birkenstocks and yeah, like a <laughs> shirt with no bra and like patch pocket jeans. And then one of my friends started calling me Sags and I put a fucking bra on. <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah, I took the belly chain. The belly chain. The belly Kudos chain to that ethics. friend. That's a great name. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Jake. Thanks, Jake. It was super creative. Um, yeah. The belly chain started to smell. I remember that somebody like. Somebody oh, was like, that smells. And I was like, yeah, it's hemp, and I've been wearing it for four months. So I've been getting it wet, been getting it soaking wet in the shower, and then leaving it on my stinking adolescent body. <laughs> never considered a hemp belly chain. I've never I'll considered never that either. It. That's amazing. So, and I also feel because that, like, the Gen X aesthetic is also, has the same earnestness, uh, like, of the crunchy aesthetic, where it's like, Ripped jeans and like thoughtful um, earth tones and and whatever to reflect the general like you know the the Gen X vibe um, has a similar like we're gonna help the world man like look around <laughs> like wake up everyone it's not just about <laughs> being a consumer it's like about music Jesus <laughs> Seattle okay. Seattle whatever yeah. And it's coming, and it's in vogue now, and that's yeah, why, like, yeah, yeah. the Gen X 90s uh, aesthetic is just constantly on my mind now, because it's all I see on TikTok. Uh, and I, I'm not on I'm TikTok, but people send me videos from it. Is there a lot, of, are there a lot of kids who are, like, like, are young people fucking with that, uh, with that Gen X aesthetic? Oh, definitely. That's wild. So, yeah, so yeah. they're imitating their parents. They're doing, like, like when I was like a kid and for Halloween, I was like, I'm going to dress up like a 60s person. And my right, parents yeah. were like, okay, here's like a sweater. <laughs> this is embarrassing. <laughs> so another thing with like lesbian aesthetic and especially being from New York, like a lot of times we talk about like, oh, it's really hard to tell like who just lives in Brooklyn and who's a lesbian. Like there are, sometimes have been like overlaps. My thing that... <laughs> My ex-wife told me that I, I shouldn't say this because it's rude, but I'm going to say it anyway. I'm like, the way that you can tell if they're like a lesbian is one too many accessories. <laughs> what do you mean by that? That's really funny. There's just like something there and it's like, all right, you could have done like without without yeah. one of these things. No, completely. It's it's, it's yeah. the way that like whoever styled the L word, you're like, okay, does, so does she need to be wearing like a hat and a leather cuff and Several necklaces. Yes. Um, yes. Yes. It's too much. It's a little bit of like a like I always look at pictures of. Uh, do you guys know who that showrunner Amy Sherman Palladino is? Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> so whenever I see her on an awards red carpet, I'm always like, she. I know she's not a lesbian because she's married right. to the guy, uh, mm-hmm. her husband. Um, but I'm always like, yeah, she dresses like a lesbian because it's just too much. Yeah. It's like for a, sure. She's a magician. She's a magician. (laughs) It's the top hats. Everything. Yeah. She just always seems like she's doing like a good day to you. Like it's just a flourish. It's too much. I, yes, you're right about that. When I moved to New York, I'm like, okay, there are a lot of people that it is like very hard to tell if they're queer, um, if they live in Brooklyn or is everybody in Brooklyn queer. So I feel like that 
is also more of the Gen Z aesthetic is that like Gen Z queers, they have a look that's like very queer, but it's also cool. So straight people are dressing like that too. Like Gen Z lesbian TikTokers are influencers. Yeah. So straight people are dressing like them. So it's just, Yeah. yeah. And we know that like straight people have always ripped off like gay style, but it's right. a little more surprising when they rip off lesbian style, I will first of all say. Because fashion is historically for gay men and straight women. Yeah. Right. And, and honestly, we should stay the fuck out of it because we have no business <laughs> dressing ourselves or dressing it because we are, as everyone knows, lesbians are fucking blind and we have no aesthetic sense. So we should um, <clears throat> just put on some fucking burlap sacks and fuck off. <laughs> um, but yes. Uh, Yes, thank you, God of gay men, for um, making all the clothes in the fashion of, uh, in the world and for making the world beautiful. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. If I see a picture, if we're just talking about photos, harder to tell enough just a static photo based on how somebody's dressed. Like, you could, you could um, fool me more easily uh, yeah. that way if we were doing, like, um, queer photo hunt at a bar. Um, <laughs> that's the only way I've experienced people in a year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's basically true. But, but if there's a, if it's a video with movement, right. movement or voice or anything like that, I mean, then the there's, walk. then the mm-hmm. walk, the walk, as we know, the walk, the, gender, the voice. Yeah. I have one time seen my, not to get too much on a tangent, but I have one time seen myself on film where I was playing a straight person and uh, you can't hear anything I'm saying. And it's truly just a montage. Um, so it's a really quick shot, but I'm gesturing to someone in it. And I'm like, God, you can tell that I'm gay from the way that I just moved my arm. Like, and, and my friend, my straight friend with me, he was like, yeah, no, you fully can. And it's like far, it's like a wide shot. And I just do this, like I do that with my hand and it was an immediate giveaway. So I do feel like any movement is a clue, but if we don't have movement, here's the uniform that I see, at least around LA, um, which God, I wish I was in New York right now for so many reasons, but one is because the fashion is so much better and more interesting there. And there's just more of it. Like you, you, you only see like four people on the street a day in LA, but of the four people that I've seen in the last two weeks in LA... (laughs) The look that I keep seeing is that, like, Billie Eilish look um, of, like, okay, ugly Balenciaga um, sneakers, the, like, high water, wide leg um, jeans of a color, um, kind of high-waisted, then, like, Like some sort of shitty, like, windbreaker material, and then, like, an intentionally bad dye job on a center part. Um, and then like really small lens, uh, sunglasses that are like lime green. Um, now I fucking hate this look. I think it's awful. I hate the ugly sneakers, whatever. The intentional bad dye job is such a thing. It's such a thing. And it's rude, man. It's fucking rude. Cause I'm like, you know what, dude, like COVID notwithstanding, if you can afford Balenciaga sneakers, you can go get your hair dyed properly. And like, it did Looks bad. This is why I'm not into like ironic, yeah, ironic dressing in in a certain way because I'm just like, if it doesn't look good, if the shapes and colors are bad, why are you doing whatever, whatever? <laughs> um, but I see that and I fully, I admit that that is perhaps like, um, 
that is like a Gen Z version of queer dressing. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that is definitely hard to tell. Like I see like people who look who are seem to be presenting as men dressed that way and people who seem to be presenting as women dressed that way and they all seem kind of either they could be queer or straight. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um yeah, but I'm sure that comes from yes, the 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 queer kids on TikTok. I feel like there's a lot of 90s repurposing now in fashion but also i feel like that's early aughts like the they're wearing those ball chain necklaces too and that like ufo-y kind of pant like feels like this goth early aughts yeah thing coming back like the mall kid aesthetic yes Mm -hmm. like a kid who got dropped off at the mall by their parents and they're gonna go like to claire's accessories and blow off steam by getting another piercing yeah get some accessories at spencer's Although the ball chain necklace, like I wore the ball chain necklace when I was like 13 and that was the late 90s. And I feel like that was that the the early aughts um, version of the ball chain necklace is already a hearkening back to the 90s ball chain necklace. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which for, for my reference was like a Jordan Catalano thing. Right. Uh, oh, yes. Player. One thing that I think is universal for the lesbian aesthetic is comfortable footwear. But then if you are wearing like wearing stilettos as a lesbian is like super subversive. It's like I'm making a choice to be very uncomfortable and Mm -hmm. dabbling in straight woman culture. I will say there was a period in my life, probably age like age like 14 through 17 when I like weirdly would cho- would dress like very femme at times, and I definitely owned heels, and I definitely like went out wearing like very high heels, which is wild to think of now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and thought of it more as like, uh, yeah, I do think I think you're right that it, there is something subversive about it because, like, mm, one of the things about being a lesbian is like, uh is being, like, withholding, especially from, like, men. <laughs> right. And I think as you're maybe, like, finding your way through your gender expression and your sexuality and sort of your place, whether or not you want to court that attention, which very quickly I was like, oh, no, oh, no, I don't want, <laughs> I don't want yeah. that attention. But I think at, like, that adolescent age, I was maybe still wondering if like oh could i like show them a picture of what they think that they want that is by like dressing in this super femme way and then withhold it and is that a fun experiment (laughs) 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 um which is weird because actually now like i was just thinking about this the other day i was thinking well two things number one uh a thing that i hate is when straight women go to red carpets or whatever this is just where I see it happen. And they wear menswear, but they um, undercut the masculinity of the menswear by doing, like, really big lips. Like, r- big red lip and, yeah. like, really high stilettos and, like, big hair and, like, low cut to be like, I'm wearing my boy's clothes, but I'm still yeah. a woman. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not like Frances McDermott who's, like, I'm showing up here looking butch as fuck. Yeah. Frances McDermott <laughs> rolls up no makeup and, like, fucking lace up. Merrill hiking shoes. Yeah. <laughs> so that for me is like, it's almost, that's the the opposite thing. It's like the attempt right. on this part of straight women yeah. at subversion, but they can't commit to it. Right. They can't just be like, oh, I'm going to like wear menswear. 
Um, right. And then uh, it has to be thing- like it has to be like a bralette under the blazer. No shirt under. Yeah. Exactly. They have their nipples to be, are out. The, yeah. the decolletage coming out and yeah. right, exactly. And cut in that like really straight woman, like when they cut a suit jacket in for straight women, they cut it like shink, shink, like this really acute angle. This, um, <laughs> like, so you're supposed to look like a fucking like cartoon character. But I was actually just thinking the other day, I was like, I'm very into menswear, which is just what it's called, even though that's like not a super inclusive term, but like right. day to day, what are you going to do? Um, <laughs> That's not something I'm willing to like picket line about. <laughs> There's a lot of discussion in the menswear community, which is overwhelmingly rich and overwhelmingly white, about ways to be surprising, subversive, and unique. So this is a thing that like the white men of menswear struggle with daily. They're like, how do I stand out from the crowd? <laughs> because they've never they've never stood out, and they're like, that's their um, burden to bear. Is they're like, I've never been anything but like a default. Uh, because of is, Harry Styles. Yeah. Right, exactly. They're like, well, I'm not willing to do that because that's scary and gay. But um yeah. no, but they do do the socks. Do you remember that boom? Oh, of fun socks. socks. Fun yeah. socks. <sighs> yeah. That's yeah. the only way they can express themselves. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or like uh yeah, pocket squares, socks. Um, some of them will grow their hair out. Some of them will like in Europe, some of them will wear like some jewelry. Right. It's a very, very narrow um, opportunity for expression for them because they're always talking about that. I, I often will like read these things and be like, oh, just by virtue of being a woman who dresses in, in real menswear, not like fucking red carpet Jenna Lyons menswear. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry yeah. about it. She's great, but come on, girl. Um, your heels are the, are too pointy. Just by virtue of doing that, I'm like, oh, I get this. I, it's such a uh, automatic buy-in. Like I'm automatically stand out. Like if I went to any event, if I ever went to like any menswear event, I would automatically stick out and I wouldn't have to do anything. I wouldn't have to like get fun socks. <laughs> just, right. I would just have to be like, oh, I'm wearing actual like a, a tailored a, – tailored jacket that's been tailored in a men's cut and I'm wearing men's shoes and like proper cufflinks, um, et cetera. Yeah. It's the, the burden of, uh, being Paula Poundstone. <laughs> God bless her. I mean, talk about a vest. Yes. She is a woman who has been rocking menswear, uh, in a straightforward way for f- 35 years, I guess. There's also this lesbian aesthetic that is probably closest to to where I've been at um, and probably what I'm repping right now, which is like V-neck sweater. It's like um, solid colors. It's just like very safe mm-hmm. choices. And you have your staples. That's all I've And you done. know they work. Yeah, like... <laughs> Because I'm afraid to embarrass myself, so I've never, like, gone for the ironic lesbian look or anything, because I'm... What's your staple? (laughs) It's like a white... It's literally a white V-neck t-shirt, a denim jacket, and, like, the skinny jean and, like, an ankle boot. It's the black skinny jean. Hell yeah. Is that normcore? I'm also reading, like... Yeah, what is normcore then? (laughs) No, normcore is, like... Because normcore is beyond. It's, like, some, like, Nathan Fielder bullshit. That's like yeah, some, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, tucking my polo shirt into my khakis that are like Got intentionally you. a nauseating color. Oh, yeah, yeah, polos. I did have a lot of polos at one point. That felt like a very lesbian 
thing. The lesbians growing up at my high school were like cargo shorts and two polos popped, like layered polos yes. popped collar. The layered yes. polos and then the the shorts for a while, those uh, plaid shorts that like every lesbian. Yes. At least when I lived in Atlanta, every lesbian, like you'd go the to the pastel plaid. Yeah, the patio at my sister's room was pastel plaid lesbian, just a sea of them. Yes. <laughs> Couldn't tell people apart. And the, they're the long, the long shorts, but they're cargo, yeah, yeah, long yeah, cargo yeah. shorts, but they're in a, um, <clears throat> what do you call yeah, that? Yeah, they go to your uh, knees. Madras. Yeah. Um, yeah, Madras yeah. prints. Yeah. That, isn't it funny how that, that lesbian uniform very quickly, like you, you've, you've gotten so gay that you've just come all the way back to like straight male lacrosse player. Frat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, because that was the thing too. Oh, there was, I forget the name of this bar in Atlanta, but there was a bar. They had like the new Orleans, like giant margarita machines. And on, on the second floor, there was like this huge balcony and all the guys we're just like this variation of a frat boy and you would drive by it and be like, that's the last place I'd want to be. And then you show up at my sister's room and every dyke is dressed like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. And you're like, I feel safe here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. For some reason, the, uh, the, these um, ones won't roofie me. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. I know. Right. That's, I mean, there is something subversive about that, but it's like, it's always hard to tell, um, are you doing aspirational or subversive? Right. Because right. um, part of that is, like, wanting to be part of, like, I've I've known so many lesbians who dress that, like, um, a sort of watered-down version of that, like, Ivy League style. Yeah. Ivy job. Yeah. Uh, and it's, there's a little bit in it that's, yeah, even, like, with Fran Leibowitz, I'm like, so you're wearing Anderson and Shepard. Like, that is, like, the uh, tailor of Savile Row. I mean... That is like the the epitome of um, uh, you know, tradition, and yeah. so at what point is it like? Oh, I'd like to be part of. You know, you can never fully be part of it. Yeah. But I even think about that for myself. Um, like I, I follow all these like whatever men's wearing clothing um, accounts on Instagram. The other day, I started following this guy who is like an English teacher, and he's like very fucking thoughtful, and he talks a lot about like inclusivity in menswear talked about like across race lines across gender lines like uh he he's just like on a different level from like the regular schmoes who were talking about fucking like watches and like uh the break in their trousers and the gronies and shit um but uh I, I was like reading I was reading something he was posting about and I started to feel like guilty myself because I was like oh god like have I gotten too, like, does my being a woman and being a lesbian necessarily exempt me from engaging in a sort of, uh, in a, in a exclusive culture? Like if I put on like a, an expensive pair of like tailored trousers or like for that matter, like, I don't know, an, an expensive sport coat or something. And, and these things cost a lot of money. Um, like, am I am I subverting it or am I just like, am, am I just goose stepping along, <laughs> along with mm. the rest of them? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I started to feel weird about it. Huh. Um, but yeah, I don't know, but I like the way it looks. So what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> my girlfriend, like maybe five or six years ago coined my coined an expression to define my style 
as um, she calls it, French dad on a Sunday. <laughs> Which I was like, that's beautiful. I've kind of been all over the place. Like, like Melody was saying, I used to not, I would be so afraid of like standing out. I didn't want to be, I wanted to be like noticed for my sense of humor when I was younger, but I didn't want to be noticed for my looks at all. So I wore just like very plain shirts from the gap mostly. And my friends would like make fun of me for just wearing solid colors all the time, which is a great thing to make fun of people for. And, uh, <laughs> very cool. <laughs> And I like I didn't understand fashion. It didn't make like it just seemed like very scary in this whole world that like wasn't for me because it seemed like even before I knew that I was gay, it just seemed very much for like straight women or whatever. So it took a while for me to get out of that. And and then when I realized I was gay, I became like high femme to kind of counter that and be like, I don't want people to find out that I'm gay and be like, Oh, Carolyn's a, a big dyke now, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like I had a, I had to counter that. And then, um, so you, what you had like t-shirts printed up that said, look, I'm not like a big dyke or anything. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Wear those around with like lace. People like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. A little bit yeah, of lace. The, oh, she's got the lace. Yeah. It, had, it was yeah. in pink. So I, yeah, I trust her. She's not so, not some dyke. <laughs> There, now I'm at a point like I can't believe it was only three years ago that I wore my first suit to a wedding as mm -hmm. a guest. And it was like the best thing. I'm like, why didn't I ever do this before? So like, fun. Feels it's good. I've never done it. And I want to. That's the style I want to. And Describe. I'm too afraid of. But I have big boobs. <laughs> so do I. How do you do it? Um. You just have to you have to find the right cut for yourself. I do also find like um, you know giving yourself giving yourself like a a, a sort of a, a nice deep neckline um, mm. can kind of visually like makes that all kind of line up. Like yeah. I would never wear like I would never button all the way and wear a tie. I'm okay, not, like, yeah, flat chested enough for that. Um, that's like not a vibe I would do. But uh, yeah, I mean the. Um, what, describe, okay, only because, Melody, because you're, you're aspirational and you haven't done it yet, but describe like the look. I don't look take any risks. You'd like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's cool. Uh, what's the look that you'd like to rock at like the next, at your first COVID, COVID free wedding? Well, Carolyn had mentioned weddings and it like for, that's where I get the most like, <laughs> clothing dysphoria I don't know where I'm just like what is my style and like like with dressing up like I think I'm fine I don't aspiration like I will wear an ironic t-shirt or something and like I'll be fine but it comes to more formal events I know for a fact I feel uncomfortable wearing like restrictive dresses like you know with like the plunging neck, all of that and the heels I can't do that anymore so yes yeah, so you know uh, that my about next, yourself yeah so then I just assume I want to go full suit but then there's always the mental block that I'm like not flat chested enough it would look really boofy it, like, <laughs> it just doesn't seem like conducive for what I would about, feel like um uh, like a bug a like Volkswagen a, bug like a Celine huh? like a Celine Dion one piece yeah, something like that, like um, with like a thinner pant. I've also seen like women do this boot cut with heels type of look. I don't like that. Um, just some boot structured kind of look, something yeah. structured that I feel like I can't do because I'm so curvy. Yeah, I totally get it. I totally get it. I'm naturally curvy too, um, but it's just a matter. It's truly a matter of tailoring and yeah. like um, figuring out um, – 
yeah, where to give yourself room and where to, uh, like I, the, here's the main thing that I've learned. The main thing that I've learned is like, okay. Cause I'm like hourglass shaped. I've got like big thighs mm-hmm. and a big ass. Um, yeah. I need like a high rise, meaning like from the, the waist, the, the button of your pants down to like the crotch. I need that to be a high rise because that gives me like room there, but then I need it to, I need these pants to then like very quickly taper and have like no break because I'm short. Um, and this makes me look like longer and these are like very simple things, but they like fucking change everything, but Mm. didn't figure them out till like, it took me a a long time too. I don't think I wore my first suit to a wedding till maybe like, yeah, I don't know, eight years ago, maybe something like that. And for yeah. coming out of the closet at age like 13, I'm like, damn, that was a long fucking time. <laughs> that yeah. took you a long time, bitch. Yeah. The fuck? <laughs> the fuck are you doing? So wait, what do you wear now? So if you I know it's been a year since anyone's been to any event, but Melody, what what's your in-betweener that you rock at a formal? I don't I just go high femme. Like you I'm just, just like, all right. You're just like I hate this, but I'm doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll wear the heel. I'll be uncomfortable. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, like, see, I don't mind like high femme, but I feel like I'm not great at high femme fashion. So it's like I'll get these dresses to a wedding, and like sometimes it's great, and sometimes it just looks like a, a dress I found because I have to wear a dress to this function. Mm-hmm. But then when I started going to like the suits, it's like the staff at the wedding is commenting on it. Like everybody oh, yeah. is like holy shit, there is a lady in the suit and uh, she's pulling it off and we must come and comment on it. I mean, my, my main problem with dresses because like the most important thing and like one of my favorite things about being a, a, a lesbian <laughs> is the comfy footwear. Like, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Like, it, it's like I can get away with it. Like, I don't need an excuse I don't have to feel bad about it I am mm-hmm. wearing flats like I have worn heels I own heels mm-hmm. I it it's not it's not fun for me I'll wear them for like a show if it calls for it yes they make my legs look good but it sucks and wearing dresses like they always almost always look better in heels and it's like oh, with yeah. suits I can wear yeah. these like fucking oxfords which is why I default to the dress high femme yeah because I it just looks weird with a sensible shoe. <laughs> yeah, right. it looks with a sensible shoe. A sensible shoe in a dress looks. Yeah, it's awful. Yeah. It's an awful midpoint that no one should stop at. <laughs> you got to keep going. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I totally, I totally know what you're talking about too. When you when you go to the function and you're the and you're the lesbian in the suit. Every person wants to come up to you and just be, and they, they always do this thing I notice where they think that they're the only person who's ever commented on right. the suit. They think they're the only person who notices and they want to like affirm you. And so they'll, they'll, they'll be like, Hey, um, I just want you to know you look great. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, I've, thank you. And in my head, I always want to be like, yeah, I know this suit is $3,000. I know it looks great. <laughs> Fuck out of my, like, yeah, I look great. What are you doing? Um, but they're always just like, they're saying, like, like they think you're, this is your first time taking it for a spin and you're like not sure. And they're like, hey, I just want you to know, like, it's pretty cool to be gay. And you're like, oh, like, you're going to be like, thank you. Oh, I'll stick with it. 
I think we need to start wrapping up, but there are a few kinds of lesbians that we want to quickly, let's like do a lightning round of lesbian aesthetics. Okay. Um, okay. Some we just heard about for the first time from, from listeners, like, what's a St. Patrick's Day lesbian? <laughs> we had a Chicago-based lesbian write in, uh, her and her girlfriend's favorite lesbian aesthetic, St. Patrick's Day lesbian. <laughs> I'm guessing that this person, now maybe I'm wrong, but I... In my brain, she's a marriage between the cargo madras shorts person and the snapback lesbian, right? Yes. She definitely did her hair, but she loves to drink. Yeah, Um, she's a Midwestern lesbian in my mind. A Nelly lesbian. Like, mama, yeah, yeah, oh, like that Nelly? Yeah. Uh, I guess just a lesbian that dresses like Nelly, like a basketball jersey and like maybe some like some chains with like diamonds or fake diamonds on them. Stuff like that. Yeah. Some yeah. sag. She, some she sag? said it was because she, she wore she wore um, boxers and yes. someone called her a, a Nelly lesbian because of that. Yeah, I, an older dyke apparently was like, you're a real Nelly lesbian. All right. Don't like. <laughs> If ever, just as a PSA, if ever we're going to, like, uh, designate other lesbians, characterize them in any way and attaching them to any kind of pop culture or anything, never say it disparagingly. Always say it in a cool way. Always be like, right. cool, you're a fucking Nelly lesbian. You're a Billie Eilish lesbian. You're a Billie You're Eilish. a Justin Bieber lesbian. I love you're it. Justin Bieber lesbian. I, Justin Bieber lesbian was... Is a thing. Had a moment. Oh, that had a, such a big moment, didn't it? Yeah. God. Mm-hmm. It was huge. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, cottagecore lesbian. I'm completely stumped. Yeah. Is that a, like a yoga? I'm cottagecore and I'm just thinking someone who eats cottage cheese and has a very strong core. <laughs> <laughs> it should be. It has a lot of protein, actually. Yeah, so. well, it should be. <laughs> Cottage cheese. Um, so we were just talking about this on a live broadcast with our listeners because I, it's a term that's really, um, Come into the zeitgeist over this last year. Instagram, a lot of cottage. Instagram, TikTok. Yeah. And it's like a fantasy of this like kind of rural life. Um, in my opinion, adopted by a lot of urban lesbians, but that's just me. But it's like a lot of like paisley, floral, um, a lot of like soft lighting in its in its Instagram post, to be honest. Um Yeah. I get it. Like, like a, an ethereal. A barefoot Stevie Nicks. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Cottagecore yeah, as in hardcore. Got it. <laughs> Got it. I think it really is just a repackaged Stevie Nicks lesbian. That's Absolutely. awesome. I love that lesbian. Um, oh, I mean, other ones that we brought up, I was saying, like, I think English teacher lesbian is mm-hmm. is a thing, which is also the same as, like, librarian lesbian. Librarian mm-hmm. lesbian. Mm-hmm. Uh, stripper lesbian. Totally. You want to save her a little bit? <laughs> you want to save her? She, yeah. Um, I feel like she has a lot of piercings and stuff. Uh, yeah. She smells good. I don't know. Am I just talking about strippers now? Am I just talking about strippers? I guess. Yeah. yeah. No. They always mm-hmm. smell really fresh. <laughs> they do smell fresh. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how they do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It, studs. Yeah, studs, studs is a mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, studs is a thing. Um, the eyebrow slit, I think, spawned from stud and oh, is yeah. now just That's flourishing into all the different lesbian. Yeah. 
it's a thing yeah. on TikTok. Like it's like a signal. A lot of it now is just like signaling um, online and building community while like they can't uh, go to gay bars right now, like younger queers. So and the, is that become like a, a signifier? Yeah. Yes. Shaving a slit in your eyebrow. Oh, okay. Which I used to think was exclusive to studs historically, right. but now right. it's just like you're seeing femme girls, any kind of dyke wearing or sporting it. Is the term lipstick lesbian still relevant? I don't fucking think so. Yeah. Because lipstick has gotten so, so queer. Feels 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. like, everyone wears lipstick now. Right, right. right. Well, any last words or parting advice about the lesbian aesthetic, Joanna? No, you know, uh, one day when I'm done with show business, I'll just write like a, a 7,000 word article about it and try to get it published somewhere. Just like an academic. Looking but forward I, to it. So I have so Great. many thoughts, but I, no more today. Well, <laughs> listeners, uh, keep your eyes peeled for that. <laughs> yes, please keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, thank you guys so much for uh, for indulging me on this subject. Thank you for your time. Yes, um, do you, so where do you want to be found by our listeners? Yeah. Uh, I, you know what? I'll be really real. I'm, I can't really be found. My Insta's okay. private. I'm not on Twitter. Good for you. Look, if you see me in L.A., wave. We'll be the only two people <laughs> on the street that day. <laughs> um, Anything you want to plug? Yeah. Or? No, no. I, no, I don't. No, I don't want to plug I love anything. it so much. Fuck that. Um, but I love I love this show, and I really I hope you guys know like it's uh, it's so cool to be adding to like uh, adding to this type of queer content is great. Um, Thank and you. you. Guys, yeah, it's it's awesome, awesome podcast. That was so much fun. Hey, we have a listener question that is kind of related to what we were talking about earlier. <laughs> that wasn't even planned. Go for it, Melody. So, I hope you guys know what movie I'm talking about, but in the 90s, this guy made a documentary called My Date with Drew, where he records how he gets a date with his lifelong celeb crush, Drew Barrymore. I remember that. I remember that. And she was my big crush at the time. Um, my question is simple and logistical. How does one get a date with Barbie Ferreira? Any leads or ideas much appreciated? LOL. No, but seriously, <laughs> I love Barbie Ferreira, too. She's from Euphoria. Yes, but I've been following her, not to be like an indie band fan about it, but like, it's been really cool to watch um, back before even Instagram, like uh, Snapchat. She, I don't know how, but I found her on Snapchat and she mm. became the only reason I would go on that app because she would consistently update throughout the day. And I just thought she was so funny. And she was just a she was a model at the time. Um, but she talked yeah. about how she's dying to act, dying to act. So it's so cool to see her on, you know, one of the best shows acting. on one of the best networks acting yeah. the hell out of acting. Um, I just, I love her. I think she's so funny. And now I think she's so hot. She was a little too young at the time for me to see it. <laughs> um, yeah, but especially she, the outfits I mean, she's and in her everything. 20s. Yeah. Uh, and Euphoria yeah. so hot. There's this one specific bondage outfit the euphoria heads know what I'm talking about. That was that really did it for me. How do we get a date with Barbie Ferreira? Yeah, we just spent the whole first part of the episode talking about how creepy Demi Lovato's uh, ex fiance was in stalking her and trying to get a date. So I wouldn't recommend 
that approach. Uh, also, if you're inspired by the documentary My Date with Drew, uh, that guy, he was a film student who was probably doing this as like part shtick. You know, he's making probably more into making a documentary yeah. and like this is a cool concept than actually being like this is my best chance at getting or maybe both who knows what goes on in the minds of men other than men but um let's find a mutual oh you want i see barbie follows megan stalter i know well, megan stalter you know megan so you <laughs> No. <laughs> Do not open that box. No. Uh, no. no. We can't. You know, I get I get the desire to want to do that and to think like, oh my gosh, I'm so obsessed with this person. I would um, love to date them. And you know what? It's worked out for people before. Uh, Rosie O'Donnell's ex-fiance I believe was a fan mm -hmm. who started like sending Rosie poems yeah and then Rosie was like oh you're a lot younger and hotter than me sure <laughs> let's <laughs> even though you live in a different state let's try this and uh, you know if you if you want to be creepy like that go for it but that's usually not how people in the public eye like to meet people and most people don't like to date fans of theirs yeah no i'm sorry if that's gonna bum you out uh but as far as what i know from people who uh even are just like a tiny bit in the public eye the the last thing they want is to um to meet someone people are put off by any kind of fandom yeah um so honestly your best bet is to ignore her <laughs> great advice melody yeah, that'll that's that's, that'll work better than f being totally fanatic yeah i mean if you want to be a a psycho about it you can like befriend her friends and then somehow get an invite to a party and then ignore her there yeah uh on purpose and like never once mentioned to her that you knew who she was or were super obsessed with her or anything other than just like a casual fan of the show um but yeah it's not you know this is why it's never gonna work out between me and uh, desiree akavan just kidding, I'm married. I love you, Cecilia. Uh, and yeah, this person's like, God damn it, one star review. I was hoping for step one. <laughs> Go to the red carpet premiere. Step yeah. two, wear your Justice for Jenny Schechter shirt. She also, according to Wikipedia, has a girlfriend. So I think, oh my I don't God, know how she does. updated Wikipedia is, but she may be off the market. But there's nothing like uh, playing the long game as a lesbian, so... Yeah. I just don't endorse stalking. No. IRL. It's it's off-putting. I'll give a joke answer. Buy a Google ad so that when Barbie Googles herself, there's like a sponsored ad from you that's like, I think you're a babe. I'm a babe. Hit me up. And then have it go to like a URL with a contact form. For her to get in touch. Yeah. That's my suggestion. Um, I say get a billboard uh, on Santa Monica Boulevard or something, mm. you know, grab her attention that way. Yeah. 
Because if you're going to be a fan, be the biggest. Yeah, go go really hard. Make and her laugh. You'll at get least. some get some press coverage. Yeah. Uh, send your questions to dykingout at gmail.com and we will take the uh, wind out of the sails of your hopes and dreams. <laughs> you can follow us at Diking Out on social media or at Diking Out Podcast on uh, TikTok, which is also social media, just not the one we're the most social on. Uh, Patreon.com slash Diking Out. We're still on Wizio. We're still getting requests there. We're just going to throw out all the names. Jemmy, take your pick. We're there. <laughs> We're, We're everywhere. Bendita. Check us out on uh, Stereo, Jemmy, Wizio. Yeah, Stereo.com slash Melody Kamali or Stereo.com slash TGI Carolyn. Remember to follow the two of us so you get notified when we have our live conversations. And you can chat with us or, again, uh, bark at us and then have Melody immediately stalk you in real time Mm -hmm. and then take you down. You know I love a hunt down. We got got harassed. We we got, what, bullied by a troll? clearly anti-gay um i before the end of our stereo conversation i found him i know where he lives i know exactly what he looks like and i found a few of his social media profiles so don't even think about it you know what i don't want to scare anyone off most of the interactions on stereo are from listeners or cool people on stereo uh including melvin i hope melvin's a listener now shout out to melvin i hope you're enjoying your juice and your piano Thank you for diking out with us this week. And we'll see you next Tuesday, baby. Wander with us into a world of magic. Do you lack magic? Ever since I was born, I could hear the spirits of the other world. Where old stories take on a new life. If you break even one of these conditions, the consequence is death. And the world is teeming with possibilities. It's midnight, girls! They're here! Get ready to change! Well, for the last time, we're not kissing, Fritz! Join Jenny and Madeline in this fantastical audio drama as they journey into the stories you grew up with as you've never heard them before. You are no more than a demon! Okay, Gown. Let's do this. And reinvent fairy tales with a feminist twist. Ready for your next adventure? Then we'll see you soon in the forest of feminist fairy tales.